It has been several months since the clusters had terraformed Earth. Although, that estimation of time is likely incorrect. Soon after the animals begin to emerge from the eggs, something happened with the day and night cycle. Days have become much longer, sometimes in excess of 30 hours. Nights can be as short as two hours or as long as six. Not enough data has been collected to notice any discernible pattern. As of now, it seems completely random, and what's more, the reason for this phenomenon is also unknown. It seems highly unlikely that these beings were able to affect the Earth's rotation. At this point, the working hypothesis is that the clusters have created some form of artificial light high above the miasma. No one has been able to make it up high enough above the gray fog and back down to know for sure. Airplanes are entirely unable to take off due to the tall ebony stalks that seem to grow almost as fast as they were cut. It wasn't as if cutting them was an easy feat, either. It requires heavy equipment. Equipment that made noise. Noise that brought attention. Borers were likely to float down from atop the stalks while they waded unseen through the thick miasma. You'd probably consider yourself lucky if it was a borer that got you, rather than a stalker whose stilted legs blended in with the very pole-like trees blocking travel. Or even worse, the small, bird-like corruptors whose venom dissolves your bones and reconfigures your DNA. Many tried hot air balloons and helicopters. It was only a matter of minutes before the wreckage came crashing back down to become impaled on the black stalks, shredded and in ruins. We're not sure what it is exactly that is doing that, but based on the size of the claw marks, I'd rather not find out. Somehow, the brief hours of night seem to be a much safer time to travel, although it is not recommended for anyone to travel at any time. However, it's only a matter of time before even the most securely hidden of us needs something they do not have. And when that time comes, the miasmic wayfarers will inevitably find death. As the number of humans dwindle rapidly, the new world's inhabitants only grow. It was at night that the Howlers were first discovered. In the evolutionary arms race, we humans are totally and unbelievably outmatched. For any perceived weakness in the cluster's ecosystem, a new fix is only a short time away. The Howlers are almost certainly a byproduct of the Corruptors. Varying in size, color, and to a small degree, shape. These once human creatures are horrific. With arched spines, they stand somewhat like a gorilla, with large muscled front arms. The hands on these arms have a thumb 
and two long clawed fingers. The back legs are more canid, with the knee bending forward and ending in sharp angular hocks with four clawed toes. Between two to three thousand pounds, howlers are built for speed and hunting. Their leathery gray skin is splotched with random patterns of black. A mane of black bristles surrounds their hunched necks and trails down the top of their spine. For lack of better description, I'd say their face is a mix of a hairless bear with a rage-induced psychotic human. Getting a good look at these things is not something that living people do. They travel in packs of two to eight, and if one of them gets a scent for your fresh blood, they will hunt you to the ends of the earth. Howlers hunt day and night. If you're outside, do not cut yourself. And if you hear the howls, I hope you have somewhere secure to hide. And I hope that it is close. The Green Lagoon is an entirely new ecological community that is equal parts terrible and wondrous. Since the very first sighting of the clusters, I've been fascinated by them. I've made it my mission since day one to catalog and study all aspects of the invasive entities. Upon doing so, I have shared what I've learned with as many who cared to listen. I even broadcast a looping survival guide over as many AM and FM radio waves that I am able to hijack. I've become somewhat of a known figure among survivors. It is quite often that people come to me with information, dead specimens, or even video of encounters with new entities. This was how I learned of the Green Lagoon. A man passing by, looking ragged and sleep-deprived, offered me a cell phone in exchange for a bottle of water. It is not uncommon for people to want to trade, and sometimes I oblige but usually I do not. He assured me I'd never seen anything like what was on this device. It was curiosity and the fact that I was fairly well set on supplies that made me agree to his trade. I waited for the phone to charge from my battery bank connected to solar panels outside. One good thing about the cluster's artificial and almost constant daylight is that it keeps my batteries full. With the phone fully charged, I couldn't help but think there was absolutely nothing of value on it. I powered it on and swiped the screen that surprisingly contained no lock. I opened the camera roll and changed the order of its contents to sort from newest to oldest. I couldn't help but notice a few pictures of a somewhat grim-looking couple in what appeared to be a bunker. The man had shaggy brown hair with blue eyes and was holding the phone. The woman was blonde and looking away. They both appeared to be gaunt and the reasons for taking the pictures are unclear. But none of that interested me. What caught my attention was the very first image or last, depending on how you sorted it. 
the play button sat overlaid a black background. I pressed play, nervously anticipating what I would see. The video started with a black screen. I could hear the muffled sound of clothes rubbing together as if the video was being taken from inside of a pocket. A little over two minutes elapsed before everything changed. With the flash on, the camera autofocused on the back of the woman from the photos. She was wearing a blue jacket and black pants and quickly turned around at the introduction of the camera light, looking angry and scared. It was dark, they were outside and among the black stalks. What the fuck are you doing, Glenn? You're going to get us killed. She whispered in a panic. Somebody has to record this. People need to know. This is all new. Glenn calmly replied. Fine, but turn off the light. It's not only us we have to worry about. Glenn turned around, showing seven other ragged-looking survivors. Their condition appeared to be even worse than Glenn and the woman. There were three women and four men who shielded their eyes from the light. Glenn apologized and turned the flash off. As he turned back around, something curious emanated from the distance ahead. A green glow, faint but powerful and shining through the fog and rows upon rows of black stalks, giving off an eerie, otherworldly effect. I suppose this is another world now, though. As they walked towards the green glow that became brighter with each step, the blonde woman lightly tapped each of the black stalks they passed by with her machete. The density of the plants is different than that of the stalker legs that blend in among them. If your tap sounds more hollow, you're likely dead, unless it's night and you're lucky enough to not wake them. Light taps with a metal object is your best bet. The group continued slowly and as quietly as possible through the stalks, encountering no creatures thus far. Soon the stalks thinned out and then were absent entirely. In their absence was a wide expanse of ankle-deep, green, luminescent water. It stretched on for miles. The light it gave off was bright enough to illuminate the fog in a way that made the air itself shimmer and dance with a life of its own. All nine survivors stood wordlessly for some time before a massive school of small fish-like creatures went darting by in the water. There had to be several thousand of them, all moving in unison with jade-green bodies and two sets of dorsal fins offset to either side of the spine. As the schooling creatures propelled through the water, they left behind them a glowing trail of iridescence, not dissimilar to oil on water. One of the survivors muttered to himself while taking several steps out into the water. No, don't! Another unseen person exclaimed from somewhere behind, but nothing happened. With every step the man took, the growing liquid seemed to darken and pulse around his shoes. 
almost as if it had tangible arms exploring the surface of a new object. The effect was mesmerizing and inconceivable. Slowly, each of the group inched their way into the shallow, glowing liquid. In this area, the miasma seemed to be thinner, with visibility being closer to 20 feet instead of the usual 5 to 10. As they walked, the glowing liquid circled and pulsed around their feet. Schools of fish-like creatures raced around the edges of the trembling, whimsical glow, creating a hypnotic, beautiful scene. They continued trudging through the shallow wetlands until an echoing cry broke them from their reverie. Everyone stopped, but the sound seemed to come from all directions. With shaky hands, the camera panned all around, showing scared survivors scanning the miasma for threats. Seconds passed that seemed to last forever. I could feel the tension and adrenaline caused by the unseen danger surely lurking. Without any warning, the dying started. From somewhere in the back of the group, an explosion of water could be heard. Glenn quickly turned, the camera only capturing falling droplets and disturbed ripples in the water. One of the group was missing. Something in the water caused the glowing liquid to pulsate a distressing black between the legs of a woman directly in front of the camera. It was clear she felt something brush up against her leg as she looked down with wild fear etched onto her face. Within a split second, the water beneath her erupted and a large claw-like appendage flashed from below, grabbing her and pulling her down. I've studied these several frames of footage extensively, trying to gleam any information possible about this creature. The frame shows a complex multi-jointed limb, muscular and coated in a sleek, black hide. Serrated hooks, each the size of a large knife, seem to line the inside curve of the limb, curving back towards the main body. The speed at which it attacked left only a blurred image of the creature. The creature itself, a terrifying mystery yet to be discovered. Then, a low gurgling rumble filled the air as the water started to bubble and froth violently around them. The survivors were rooted to the spot in terror, only moving to glance frantically at each other. Screams erupted from the group as more blackened claws shot out from beneath the green waters, each grabbing a member of the group. Glenn and the woman with the machete, presumably the only ones left, tried to run, but the ankle-deep water seemed to thicken, hindering their desperate escape. A blackened claw shot towards them. Glenn managed to evade it, but the woman wasn't as lucky. The camera captures her last, terrified expression as the claw stabbed into her, dragging her under the glowing green waves. Now alone, 
Glenn's breathing grew harsh and uneven. The video shook violently as he stumbled. The once mesmerizing lagoon, now a deadly trap. The camera captured a horrifying sight. The water around Glenn was turning black, writhing and churning. Glenn's last words were a mixture of prayers and curses, his voice broken with despair. A final claw burst from the water, and in a heart-stopping moment, the camera was knocked from his grasp and sent flying away from the water's edge, before something stopped it from tumbling where it sat slightly propped up. The video feed rolled, capturing a glimpse of the water where Glenn once stood, now empty. The video continued to record, capturing the eerie glow of the green lagoon, the waters slowly calming. The tranquil beauty, a stark contrast to the gruesome spectacle that had unfolded moments ago. Then, the video ends leaving an eerie silence in its wake. I spent countless nights reviewing that video, pausing, replaying, analyzing every frame. The creatures residing in the Green Lagoon were unlike anything I'd come across in my studies. Intelligent and horrifyingly efficient. They've adapted to their environment and evolved in ways that are beyond terrifying. Glenn and his group served as a reminder of how dangerous this new world has become. A testament to the fate that awaits the careless and the unwary. Still, in the face of such terror, I cannot help but feel a twisted sense of awe. The Green Lagoon is a horrifying masterpiece of evolution. A cruel and beautiful testament to the indomitable will of this alien life. This deadly otherworldly ecosystem, as haunting as it is, has become my fascination. The creatures that lurk beneath the glowing waters of the Green Lagoon. The stalks and the miasma that choke out the sky. Corruptors and the howlers that stalk the land each a terrifying puzzle waiting to be solved. Despite the dread and despair, I remain bound to my self-imposed mission, driven by an insatiable curiosity and a stubborn refusal to let these invaders consume our world without a fight. As grim as it sounds, each loss is a lesson learned each horror encountered a step closer to understanding. We may be outmatched, outnumbered, but as long as there's a will to survive, there's hope. The Green Lagoon remains an enigma, a dangerous yet captivating mystery to be solved. And as long as I draw breath, I will continue my mission for humanity's sake. This is my warning and my plea to all who remain. Stay safe, stay hidden, and survive. 
the world we knew is gone, but some of us are still here and we'll continue to survive. Be wary of the Green Lagoons. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption and logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com slash insights.